Hey there, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of June 20th, 2011. This is episode 108. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing agency that puts on this podcast. Joining me today are co-host Jackie. Jackie Ritako, account coordinator with Interval. And Adam. Hey, hello, Adam Meyer, creative director with Interval. Okay, I'm going to throw this in there. We need to do this every like, you know, 10th podcast. But if you've never joined us before, this is a, okay, I'm going to read directly from the script, a forum for <laughs> riffing and ranting on hot or important healthcare marketing topics, trends, and ideas with a whole lot of other noise thrown in. Hey. Noise. Noise. <clears throat> yeah, nice. we may have some noise in my background. Hopefully, we won't. We won't. I won't even tell people why, but cross your fingers. Cross your fingers. How are you guys? Good. 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 It's Friday. Friday. No. Getting down. Friday on fr- night, and I ain't got nobody. Getting down on Friday. Isn't Friday nice? Friday yes. is nice. Friday is very nice. Well, it's not it's actually. Nice. It's not Friday when people are listening to this, but it's Friday for us right now. Right. So we're having a better day than they are, probably. <laughs> so we're partying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're having a good time. I think Friday's the best day of the week. Do you? Well, I like Saturdays too, but Friday, I don't know. I guess you're kind of tired Friday nights though, so it's kind of lame. Adam, what's your favorite day of the week? Huh. I guess either Friday or Saturday. Definitely not Sunday. Yeah. Sunday is like the worst day of the week. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) It is. Sunday depression? Yeah, I think about it like that question, the answer would have changed over the course of my life. I remember in college... Literally, this is how it worked. It was like Monday recovery, Tuesday, <laughs> maybe go out. Wednesday was like one of the biggest going out partying nights. Thursday was the peak. Thirsty Thursday? But yeah, Friday, you're kind of like, oh, maybe some parties, whatever. Saturday was, you know, usually not the most hopping fun night. And then Sunday is total recovery. So it was just weird how it kind of shifted from what you would typically think of a weekend. Now, I think I'm with you guys. I think Saturday's the best. I like Saturday because uh, mm-hmm. you've, you've had a day of theoretically, you know, you're not at the office, the, your responsibilities are lower, you've had some time to do something that you want to do, and you don't have to worry about the next day either. Right. right. So you've you're, just, you're just in this, yeah, you're just in this Zen place of comfort and relaxation and. Uh, you know, people have different things they, that they do. They may go to church Sunday morning. They may be traveling. They may have to work on Sunday. But for me, I just I love that like Saturday about six o'clock, where yeah. it's, especially in the summer it's nice. And you're just like wow. I can do so- whatever I want tonight yeah. and not get up early. And yeah, exactly. I pour around a shots for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a party with the yeah, fans. Speaking of party, we didn't really have a happy birthday party for us. We should have. Oh, when was that? Do you guys know that Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, we, Wednesday we turned 16? June 15th, we turned 16. Our sweet nice. 16? Nice. How's that? Happy birthday to cool. us. Yeah, can, I know. We can drive now. We can, we can drive now. <laughs> uh, we can have our debutante ball we've always wanted. We didn't oh, do anything. Right. How lame is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's okay. We threw a big shindig last year. We did. We did. But 16 would have been, you know, a fun one to do. So, I don't know. Have a beer this weekend, everybody. 
and we'll yeah. we'll have a we'll have a um, remote toast, a cheers. Mm-hmm. Five o'clock on Saturday, wherever you are. Yes. Raise your glass. Raise your glass. Pour, pour one out for interval. Pour one out for interval. Do a shot. All right. Let's get to some healthcare marketing insights. Okay, fine. Woo! Okay, so the first one is an article that was in Ad Week. And this isn't necessarily healthcare focused, but there's so much in here that I think is related to what we talk about. I just love this. Who posted the article? I always want to give credit to whoever did this. McCann on millennials, social media, and brands. It was one of you two guys, right? I did. Okay. It was me. Yeah, this is fantastic. It's a nice short little article. And again, you know, we get stuck in this sometimes because, hey, we want to provide real nice insights, but we're too lazy to actually dig real deep. <laughs> so a lot of times we are commenting on commentary of something, mm-hmm. right? And we don't do the due diligence to go in and actually investigate the something. So in this case, uh, McCann World Group, which is a gigantor ad agency, completed a global survey called The Truth About Youth, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have not looked at the survey. I haven't like dug into it. All, all, all I've done is read the recap and ad week of it. Right. We do that all the time. But what are you going to do? We can't, you know, can't spend hours reading some global survey from McCann. <laughs> it gets us into trouble, though, don't you think, sometimes? Uh... I like the maybe, maybe figure figuratively. I don't think we've ever literally been in trouble for our uh, <laughs> for our summaries of whatever we've read. No, no jail time. Nothing, nothing serious. Not no, yet. There, there have been times where we've ranted and then go, "Well, we don't really know what they meant here. We probably could have looked that up, but whatever." <laughs> so it's it's probably good to just put that out there so people know we're aware of that. We are aware of that. Okay, so. <laughs> This was a survey where they polled 16 to 30-year-olds. Um, so first of all, you know, again, our huge grain of salt, a huge caveat. This is a poll. So you're asking people their opinions, which as we've tried to beat people over the head with, what people say typically does not correlate with how they act. So keep that in mind, which is funny here because I'm going to then go ahead and take the poll results and praise them mightily. <laughs> <laughs> funny how we use that that kind of caveat and then if we don't like the poll results we say well that's because you're asking people their opinion <laughs> but when we like the results we're like yeah so in this one I'm, a, I'm with a yeah here so basically um, here are some results from it uh, this group 16 to 30 year olds which is the millennials uh, according to the study they live out loud uh, they emphasize public self-definition, life narration, and broadcasting via blogging platforms, digital cameras, and cheap editing and design software. In the words of one study respondent, if there are no pics, it didn't happen, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, though. It, I, I always love it when there's a, a phrase that's used on the Internet that's maybe not grammatically correct, and then somebody writing about it, tries, it makes it grammatically correct. Like that phrase itself is pics or it didn't happen. That's that's how that's typically said online. Not if there are no pictures, it did not happen. Oh, I've never heard it. Actually. <laughs> I've never heard that it's either. I'm not sixteen to thirty. <laughs> I am. So they're t- they're trying to. So somebody said it that way. Somebody somebody really did say it that way. I don't know, but I've never heard that before. You have, Adam? Oh yeah, quite often. I haven't either. Is it like a? Is it is it potentially a tagline for some like Shutterfly or something? Oh no, or no, it's, it's more like. It's it's basically a way of saying prove it. Oh, okay. 
I got it more. I took it from this context as, um, you know, if you don't have, you know, it's all tied to kind of like sharing. So in other words, if you can't share it with other people, it didn't happen. Kind of the tree, and not not from a prove that you you know climbed a light pole, but just it, it doesn't matter to people. It's mm-hmm. it's you know it it only matters when you share it, not when the experience happens. So maybe I'm reading way too much into it. No, I'm well. If, if if you've read it that way, I'm sure many many others have read it that way as well. Don't you think that and description I'm, though? Oh, yeah, go ahead. no, no, totally. I, I'm sure it's been used that way as well. It's the way that I'm typically the way that I've typically heard it is you know, picture it didn't happen is more of kind of a you're going to need to prove that kind of thing yeah. in, in a fun sense. Yeah, both ways. Well, mm-hmm. don't you think that description of that group is like dead on, lives out loud, emphasizing public self-definition, life narration, and broadcasting? I mean, yes, yeah, that, that's technically I fit into that millennial group, huh? Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it a lot. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, I don't okay. know that I necessarily do it all the time, but... No, you actually don't. If you're kind of anti, yeah. <laughs> feed is any indication. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're millennial. What is the What year did millennials start? What Did they actually start in the... I don't know. 2000? Was it? Was it? I mean, or is it no. just a generation that, exi- that was yeah. a certain age over that? I'm trying to find the... Uh, uh, this Actual definition? Yeah. You're supposed to be a millennial, aren't you, Adam? Oh, God, no, no. I'm a tweener between Y and X. Depending on the definition, I'm either X or Y. Uh-huh. I would be like on the very tail end of X, or I would be um, like the one of the el- oldest generation Y people. That's kind of me. I'm on the I'm a, like one of the oldest Gen Xs. Yeah, so I'm not sure where I'm not sure where Jackie would be if you. I'm not sure if you're in smack in the middle of Generation Y or if you're actually a millennial. I'm pretty sure you'd be Generation Y. Well, this survey, yeah, that's the same thing. Gen Y and millennials are the same thing. Oh, are they? Yeah, they are. So you've got this says sixteen to new new one after Gen Y. Okay. No, this is it says sixteen to thirty year olds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never mind. I I knew that. Okay. So, (laughs) so the so the agency takes away from their this survey, which we just gave you like a two second glimpse into. Um, Brands should follow the top five traits young people said they look for in their social friends. So here's what I like about this. Um, they're not saying follow what these young people said they look for in brands, which again, I take and throw in the garbage because people say a lot of things about brands that they don't actually act on. They're basically saying, here's how people say, you know, here's what I look for in my social friends. Mm -hmm. And they're taking that and they're using their smarts to say, now you could probably learn from that and act in the same way. Because I love the advice. It says advertising should be truthful, genuine, sociable, mature, and humble. I love mm-hmm. all this. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would, it, <laughs> what would it be otherwise? Oh, it could be all kinds of things. How much advertising is genuine? No, How I, much I, of I it know, is... I know. I'm just, oh, okay. I, just, I just think... I mean, those, those are typically the traits that I would like to think that most of the advertising we advocate... Th- those are traits of advertising we would typically advocate for. Yeah. So yeah that's why like- for us, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah duh. Mm-hmm. What else, you know, what what other approach would you take? But yeah, I mean, I say that kind of facetiously. I know there's right. plenty of advertising that is the opposite. Maybe most advertising is the opposite. Right, right. And that's the next sentence in here that makes me, you know, stand up and shout. It says, the biggest mistake marketers make, overestimating their own importance. Hello! Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, Joe Public, yo. Well, it's not even just marketers. <clears throat> I mean, that's 
everybody yeah. in an organization for them typically. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We just face that every day of our lives in this business. If don't people only knew we're the hidden gem. They just don't know about us how good we are. Yep. Yeah. And then it says young consumers say they quickly tire of brands that clutter up digital feeds with what they see as useless information. So again, that goes to social media and how our you know our organizations should be engaging in that. And you know, don't be a press release canon don't be self-promotional you know uh there are it's interesting to me i'm not going to call them out but there are some high profile communication experts or companies that don't seem to follow this advice mm-hmm. and not going to name names but um just pumping stuff out left and right and you're like good gravy you know, this is this, you can just tell this is set on auto post, yeah, because mm-hmm. um, it's nonstop. Unless unless the person behind the feed is literally sitting there, which they could be, uh, but even then, it's like you know, boy, you're not really engaging people. You're just you're using Cutting? like Twitter. I'm thinking of Twitter as a you know just a mouthpiece, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, great article. Uh, we'll post a link to that. Okay, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. What's next? Let's move on to the Bring always di- the always digestible healthcare reform. Oh. <laughs> this was a story Adam, I think you brought to the table that was um, actually aired on Minnesota Public Radio, but we can provide a link to both the audio file and uh, an excerpt, or not an excerpt, a transcription. So they have a story. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and it is talking about how uh, federal health care reform is a big part of it. It's supposed to be these uh, massive, uh, oh, what are they called? The health care exchanges. Sorry. So it's supposed to help facilitate an individual or family's ability to find health care insurance on their own. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and what that's supposed to do is, you know, provide more choice, provide more competition. Uh, and this article is talking about how that's, even though that's not supposed to come online until 2014, it's already impacting how insurance companies and employers are considering uh, their contributions to healthcare for employees and how to handle it. And the main part of the story is about uh, this idea of setting up. Uh, so insurance companies helping employers set up almost like 401k plans for health insurance. So if you can imagine like a typical 401k where the employer kicks in money uh, mm-hmm. and then you kick in money and then you have a choice in how that gets invested, uh, it would be the same thing for health insurance. So the employer would, you would get to see what the employer is giving you. The employer would say, okay, you have this pool of money. And then here are the choices for insurance. Uh, and depending on what you pick, uh, you know, you can pick something that's, uh, you know, kind of covers everything, which means you, the employee, is probably going to have to pay more out of monthly premiums, but you have less risk on the end. Or you could pick a plan that, um, you know, it's, the premiums aren't as high, so your monthly outtake isn't as much, but you have a higher deductible. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, whatever the case is. Or you can pick one that is more restrictive and limits your physician choices or hospital choices, and you might pay less for that. So uh, that's, the, that's the concept. Have you guys heard of this before? Just from this. 
personally. Yeah, it's, but. yeah, it's interesting. You know, it would be, do you know when in history employers started offering health insurance as a perk? I do. I do. It actually came as a result of World War II. Okay. The reason for it was uh, there were um, wage controls. Because of World War II, they set, the government actually set wage controls, meaning you couldn't, there was limits to what you could pay people. And I can't remember why. It was war-related. And so employers had to be creative about, well, we can't increase your salary, but uh, we could do this or we could do that. And that's where a lot of benefits came to the forefront. So pensions became stronger then, although they had been around before. But that's really where the idea of, hey, we'll cover your health insurance came from. Hmm. Because it really didn't exist before. So it was in the 1940s that this phenomenon, this kind of tradition of you get your health insurance covered at whatever level through your employer, that's where it started. At a a time when the health system was much easier to understand and it just wasn't the behemoth that it's become today, obviously. They didn't have to provide health insurance. It was their creative way to try to attract employees because they could pay them more. Right. So, and you know, to so your point, it's, it's interesting that that's stuck around. I mean, once the, once that restriction was lifted, that there weren't those that that regulation on pay that that benefit has stuck around. Oh, I think we're gonna. I don't know. It seems like we're definitely moving into an era in which we're just. It's just not going to be provided as a benefit anymore. And it, it's interesting that it's hung on as long as it has. Really, I mean, when it comes right down to it, and this is just my conservative side coming out. Why? Why? In this day and age, is it is it an employer's responsibility to provide you health insurance? I mean, especially if you're like a desk jockey, you know. Well, it, it stuck around because once they started doing it, uh, it it became the it became ex- standard, right? Mm-hmm. And, right? And then if you didn't do it, uh, you know, it wasn't that it was your responsibility; it was a it was a it's competitive, competitive right. yeah. So that's why it's still around today. I mean, if you're if you're an employee in a, in a decent job market, of course, uh, and you're comparing job A and job B, and job and everything's the same, but one has no insurance, the other one has health insurance. That's a non, you know, that's an easy call for everybody to make, and that's an extreme, obviously. But you know, we're also in a we're in a labor market right now where there's also more opportunities to get rid of it because people will do anything for a job. Right. It's so bad. Well, so that's I, part of yeah. it too. I don't know. I, I just I have this feeling maybe we'll start to see employers getting a little more creative in other areas, or maybe instead of health insurance, you're you know you you get a bonus for not having it, or you, you know, I, actually I know that already exists. There are some employers where if you opt to not be insured by your employer, you just straight up get a cash bonus of some of some size, probably roughly equal to the size of whatever they would have been paying, or a little less than whatever they would have been paying you for insurance or maybe seeing people, I don't know, I'd see people get more creative about um, other you know, alternative benefits. I don't know what they might be, but I don't know. Health insurance is just getting out of control or has got, is out of control is getting right. Has is entirely out of control. And I don't know. It seems like it's going to go the way of the dinosaur here pretty soon in terms of being a benefit. Well, as your conservative side won't like hearing that part of the health reform <laughs> law is that Employers, you know, with more than fifty employees, they actually have penalties if they drop their. Right, but I think what? Yeah, yeah, I know about those, but I think they're gonna. I don't know. From what I understand, from some of the conservative stuff I've listened to and read, it's it's going to be it's still going to even though there's a penalty, it's going to be more affordable to just right. pay the penalty than to try to insure, try to provide insurance. Yep. Here's the here's the thing though. There's a um, 
actually this this is something that I've heard of. It talks about a couple of like uh, Medica, which is an insurer here, which has my plan, which is similar to what I described. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a local company called Bloom Health. We know folks that work there uh, that are also helping employers set up these kind of like 401 type health insurance um, packages. There have been companies that have tried this before, and there was one that, the one that comes to mind from Minnesota. It was called I think it was called Vivius, and this was maybe. Wow, five years ago, somewhere between five and 10 years ago, I encountered them and it was just brilliant. It was brilliant, but it was probably ahead of its time because we still weren't to the point where people felt like they had to have it. I could be wrong about why. I don't think it stuck around, <clears throat> uh, but it was a phenomenal product. Uh, this is how uh, Abir Sen, who we, we know Abir, we're not like friends with him, but we've met him uh, through a couple projects. He is the one who founded Bloom Health. Uh, and this is what he said. It's no different than if you go to Charles Schwab or E-Trade to manage your money. Uh, Sen said what's happening with health insurance now is what happened with many company pensions in the 1980s. Employers realized they couldn't sustain the pensions indefinitely. They decided to put in a set amount at the front end and leave more decisions up to the employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, here's the problem. <laughs> what happened to 401ks? I mean, we just went through... The Great Depression too, yeah, and and people who relied on four hundred one k's the retirement got hammered. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was in the market got hammered, uh, and it, there was I don't know if it's still around, but there was so much talk about how well that is a failed. You you can't if that's how you expect people to save for retirement, we're in deep trouble because mm-hmm. people are not equipped to make those decisions on their own and this is proof of it and it, and remember when uh, President Bush was going to try to tie Social Security to individual choice as far as how your money is invested and that idea just went that went away because of the, the collapse the economy people were like well thank God we didn't do that because then we would have had another you know leg of the stool when it comes to retirement tied into this um, of course you could also argue that that leg of the stool is already screwed because <laughs> we don't have that money. The government doesn't have that money either. But um, so it's just it's interesting that you know that we're using the financial four hundred one k as the model uh, for health insurance. Yet mm-hmm. you know that was decimated. And what will happen when um, you apply the same thinking to a four hundred one k for health? And people go well. I don't have the money or I don't want to spend the money, so I'm not going to buy a, a better plan. And then they get caught. They get caught in some kind of you know massive medical problem and then they're, again, financially screwed. I, I just don't know. I think people need help with this stuff. I think that's where our Bloom Health, that kind of company, steps in. They help them make the right decisions. Uh, but people are going to need that help because I, I wouldn't say go to Charles Schwab uh, and assume most people are going to come out of there well, you know, that's really that, – that's an issue in and of itself, though, too, is people being as clueless as they are, and myself included, um, in terms of managing your finances. It's very – I mean, that that is – an essential life skill today. It really is. I mean, it's not, it's not like a, a thing that's optional to, to understand. I mean, obviously you can hire someone else to pay, you know, and pay someone else to do that for you. But on some level, that's a little irresponsible. It's, I think we're, we're in a, a day and age now where that, that's something that needs to be taught 
in school at a young age and you, in something that you continue to develop, just like, like you are, you have to continually take math courses over the course of your uh, elementary and high school education, history courses, you know, um, geography, whatever else. This is something that needs to be not, it's not, not something that's optional. You know, I had the option, if I remember correctly in like high school of taking like some accounting class, if I wanted to, um, I didn't, um, but it should never, it, that shouldn't even have been an option. It should have been something I should have started learning about at an, at an early age and, uh, learned to continue to manage throughout until I became an adult so that it just became something that I knew, you know, if, and if that was, if that was the case, then it would be a hell of a lot easier for people to think about this stuff on a level that it, it just, it wouldn't be as intimidating or as complicated as it is right now. It's foreign. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to do counterpoint on that. I mean, I think, I think you're right. Everything you said is right. The problem is it, it isn't simple. I mean, if you're talking about financial investment, uh, you know, you had, let's say, the smartest person on the history of, you know, or on the face of the earth when it comes to economics, Alan Greenspan. Mm-hmm. Admit he was utterly, completely wrong about his approach, right? So you, so you have somebody that's, you know, got more degrees than all, you know, three of us times two combined. Uh, the smartest person in the world around economics, he can't figure it out. You had the world's largest banks and all the smart people, they pay millions of dollars to understand how the markets are supposed to work. They didn't figure it yeah, out. That, that's different. Was, that's, that's, why is it different? You're talking now about like the, how the economy plays. And, and, and what I'm talking about is simply understanding like the mathematics of, your fin- of, on, of managing your finances, how things work, how interest rates work, how uh, your money can grow based at least on history. Like how, if you invest money, the principles behind it, why yeah. things work the way they work so that when you do start doing it or you, you know you need to get into it, you have a basic understanding of how all this stuff works. Um, which kind of lies outside of okay now now if you have that basic understanding now you also need to know how you know, the economy can affect that how some you know uh, some Ponzi scheme douchebag can affect that you know when that comes those <laughs> things you can't yeah, those, those are the things you can't predict for obviously um, no but, but, you, but you still should understand the basic principles of how everything works and I don't think and my, again myself included you know I have a limited knowledge of it I know some mm-hmm. of it because I've had an interest of it in it and have taught myself things that I've needed to know. Um, but it was never something that I picked up in school, which is unfortunate. And it's, it, that needs to change. It just needs to be something that, like I said, it's an essential life skill. And I, I think there are other things that we don't learn enough about when it comes to like our own health. Uh, I think if we, if we had a better knowledge of our own health and the importance of, you know, whether, whether it's, um, you know, our diet or physical activity, um, those are just the things you need to understand. And, you know, we're, we're a fat country because we don't. So yeah. there, there, my, my point being is just, there are life skills, essential life skills that aren't being taught. And I think those are really part of the problem that we're facing now with people being as clueless as they are when it comes to whether it's the economy and finances or, you know, our healthcare, the healthcare system. I mean, even if, even having a better knowledge of your own health would help you navigate, navigate the healthcare system. Uh, I agree with you 100. You're, percent You're absolutely right about that. And the, and there are things that you know you bring up the Ponzi scheme, you know Ponzi scheme douchebags, people with a basic understanding. And I I'll use myself as an example of this. If you just have a basic understanding of of what's real and what's you know if it's too good to be true, um, you know if you're if you're seeing and are being promised 20 percent returns yeah. year after year after year, you should have enough education to know okay that's not possible it's possible 
for a short per- term, but <laughs> something probably doesn't smell right if that's going on indefinitely, and that's what's being sold to you. Right. When I bought my house, I had a mortgage lender, and this was in 2006, right? So right in the heat of all this junk, mm-hmm. who was pushing me to do interest only, who was pushing me to do all this stuff. And I knew, I knew, because I read financial magazines, I read stuff that, yeah, that would allow me to get a bigger house because my, my, my initial payments would be lower. But I know, it, I know that interest only means that all that's really doing is adding to my principal, and it's going to blow up on me in three or five years. And I, I knew enough just to know that, okay, no, I should only buy what I can afford. A lot of people didn't, didn't know that. It wasn't that they were um, you know, evil and trying to get a big – they wanted a bigger house. Somebody mm-hmm. who they thought was an expert told them, you can afford mm-hmm. you know, this. And they look at their you know, monthly nut and go, well, I don't know how you figured that out, but you're the expert. And, and if you say I can afford it, I'm going to do it. And then they get stuck. So mm-hmm. – yeah, there's there's a lot of that, but I'm going to give you two things to to watch. One is Inside Job. You guys have heard of that, right? Yep. Won the best Oscar for documentary, and then the other is Too Big to Fail, which is um, both of them are about the financial crisis. Too Big to Fail is on HBO, so I think you can you know buy it somewhere if you don't have HBO. But um, what that will show you is that I don't care how educated you are, Adam, or I am, or anybody else out there. It's not a fair playing field, <laughs> that, which also you should know. Basically, you know, we're at the complete uh, whim of these people on the inside. Mm-hmm. And oh, for if sure. people knew that on a mass scale, there would be pitchforks and well, that's torches. The, the problem, though, is the people with pitchforks and, and pitchforks and torches are the ones who just, you know, don't typically are the ones who really didn't know anything about anything all the way along. I think it'd be a lot more it'd be much much more difficult for there to be these inside job type people if the masses were really much more edu- much more educated there just wouldn't be the opportunities to take advantage of people or to hide things um because people would just be much more aware so i don't know but obviously something like that takes a lot of time because that's like and that's not something you can change overnight right. that's right. like that's like that takes generations to get through to to educate and get beyond that kind of stuff so you know, hopefully we're moving in that direction. Yep. I guess we'll see. All right. Well, we probably should leave it at that. We've got another item, but we can save it for next time. Uh, but we're up against our time. And that was a long-winded. <laughs> Jackie, are you still with mm-hmm. us? Okay, well, if you are. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> how does that all tie back to healthcare marketing? We'll put that question <laughs> to our audience. It's all right. We like getting deep like that. Yeah. It's all related. Yes, you too do. <clears throat> like to rant we do we love rants all right well anything anything else before we go you guys you want to toss in the mix don't think so okay everyone have a great weekend oh wait it's monday for you <laughs> <laughs> well have a great weekend anyway fourth of july is right around the corner yeah, so coming up. Oh, that's right Woo. awesome well thank you for joining us and for arrogant healthcare marketing bastards this is chris bevelo Jackie Ritacco. And Adam Meyer. Follow us on the Twitscape at, at Interval Chris. At Interval Jackie. <laughs> and at AP Meyer. And uh, make sure you check out our website. We have good stuff there. We have a quiz up there. And you can follow us um, by signing up for our e newsletter. So we will talk to you next time. <laughs>